I mean, how awesome was that worship team? Come on now. Let's give them a round of applause. That was awesome. Man, how awesome is it to see God using people in just different ways at our church? It's just so cool. Um, so glad that the Leases are here uh, joining us. I'll be with them uh, in the next couple of weeks, so better be ready. Bringing uh, eight teenagers with me, so driving down in a van. Uh, so that, that's gonna be uh, an adventure in itself. So, um, but yeah, so I am, um, I'm 27 years old. I know I don't act like it sometimes, but uh, I've had many of just different experiences in my life. Um, I've had memories that I've really like enjoyed. I look back on and I laugh. Um, I've had memories that have been really hard that I don't wanna think about, but sometimes they pop up. Um, but these memories, these experiences in my life have shaped me, right? We have things in our lives that we have all experienced that have shaped who we are, good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever it is, they have shaped us. And I love that Pixar was able to make a movie out of it. Of course they did, right? They're geniuses there. They were able to make a movie called Inside Out, right? It's about, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. They did such a phenomenal job. Um, it is about a young teenage girl and her kind of going through the processes of life and changes in her life, moving from Minnesota, San Francisco, kind of getting out of that childhood, everything's great, kind of into teenagehood. And the movie is based in her brain, okay? And it's, her emotions are played out as characters in the movie. Each of them have significant different colors and they play a different role. They actually, they operate her like a machine. So they press the button when they want her to like high five somebody. They, then sadness comes in and says, no, that's a really sad moment. Make it sad, but bring in the tears, right? And so it's a fantastic movie. And one of the main ideas of the movie is centered around this idea of core memories. And you see these like orbs in the movie. These are all memories. And there's thousands of them. Some of them are in the back of her brain from when she was like one and they're being disappeared again. Fantastic movie. But um, there are these certain memories that are kind of kept in this almost like what you keep in the Super Bowl trophy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Stanley Cup for the Lightning. I'm just saying. Um, it's where you keep them safe. These are the core memories. These are the memories that shaped us, that shaped you and me. And I have three. And so I have three main ones. And in each of these core memories, you can see the colors of the characters and the colors of the characters represent the colors of the orbs, whether it's a good memory. So there's happy, so that they'd be yellow. If they were anxious, they'd be green. If they're red, uh, angry. And I have three um, particularly not so great memories that have shaped my life. And I think some of you can relate. Um, the first one is a good friend of mine in high school passing away in a car accident. My best friend was actually in the front seat and had firsthand experience with that. He died around Christmas time. His name was Alex Popek. The next one was my cousin's baby um, who was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome and passed away 120 days into his life. 
Sorry. The next one was my grandfather, who I found out passed away after uh, probably the second time I preached here, found out, and I had to head home. Um, And uh, that that was one of the most difficult moments of my life. Um, And uh, seeing those three people leave my life have shaped me. And death is a reality that we all have to face. Something that we avoid talking about, we don't like talking about it. That's why when I, I got the, I drew the straw to, to preach about this, I was like, you know what, I'll do it. Because I know that this is a conversation that needs to be had. And Ecclesiastes really dives into this idea of death. It is a reality. It's a check to help us uh, shape our priorities in the right direction. And the teacher of, of Ecclesiastes wants us to understand this and he knows that this is hard. He knows that this is a difficult conversation that he knew that you know, however many years later that on a Sunday morning that it was not gonna be a fun thing to talk about, that you're not gonna leave here high on life, but you're gonna leave here with your processes of life reshaped. He knew this and he said, the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. And a goad, not a goat, a goad with a D is this sharp staff that it's not super sharp where it's gonna puncture you, but, but if I put it in your gut, it's gonna hurt, all right? And then there's a hook on it. And these are used by shepherds to guide and lead sheep and sometimes used for for cattle as well. And they're painful and they hurt. And these wise words we've been hearing throughout Ecclesiastes, and especially today, talking about death, they're not fun. But the teacher knew this and he didn't want, he, he said it's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to lead us. It's supposed to guide us towards a life that God has planned and and he has given his life for us. He wants us to have a life here. And throughout this message, I'm gonna talk about life and I'm gonna talk about death. And I want to focus, look, uh, we preach the gospel, the greatest news in the world, that there is hope in Jesus, there there is life after death. But I think Sometimes we, we go past this life and we're like, heaven's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. Then why are we here? Then why are we in this space? And I know growing up, that's what, that's what I always got. It's like, oh, man, this is terrible right now, but, but man, heaven's gonna be great. And there's truth in that statement. But I think the book of Ecclesiastes wants us to wrap our brain around how we can use this time it, on earth and use it and see it as a gift from God. So I'm gonna pray for us this morning and pray that God and the Holy Spirit do a mighty work in our life this morning. Would you join me? God, I thank you for the experiences we've had. I thank you. Even though they may have been tough, they may have been painful, they may have been moments that we just wanna get out of God, I thank you for them. Lord, thank you for this book. Thank you for um, 
speaking on a tough subject that we may not have a lot to know about, but your word gives us some clarity. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes and the wisdom and the knowledge it gives us. I hope it changes us. I hope it shapes us. And we leave here differently this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Whew, way to start off the morning, right? So Solomon speaks about this reality of death in Ecclesiastes 9. If you have a Bible, if you have an app, a uh, Bible app or something like that, you can go there. Ecclesiastes 9, 2 through 6. And this is how God is teaching us to think about death, okay? So starting in verse two, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards they join the death, the dead. But anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have, further, they have no further reward. And even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Okay? No matter how much money you make, no matter how much money you gave, how good you were, you're homeless, you live in a mansion, you're a kid, you're an adult, whatever you, you claim to be, whatever you claim to have done, we all have the same fate. The teacher wants us to know that death is stronger than us. See, we fight and we fight and we fight these realities and we kind of avoid them. But in reality, death is the most powerful force other than God in our life because it's going to happen to all of us. And we, and we fill our days with all of these things that hopefully in a, in a good way, this is a good thing that we try to prevent death and we try to, you know, stay healthy. We eat healthy, we might run, we might do these things to keep us healthy. And, and isn't it mind blowing that it's almost just delaying a reality? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I want us to think about that, soak that in, that it's going to happen. And I know for me, when I've gone to these, specifically these three funerals I talked about, it's almost like, man, that's awful. That's awful. And there's a slight part of you like, but that's not me. That's, that's, that's a ways away. That's a ways away. I don't have to worry about this. And so we kind of live our lives like death is not knocking at the door. And I remember hearing this message when I got saved. When I, when I became a Christian, I was at camp. I was at a Young Life camp. And this man was, he was going hard. And he was preaching at us. This was the third night at camp. And he is like, you have sinned, you have fallen, and you have no way to God, we're all gonna die. Ended it with that. What? Are you serious, bro? This is camp. I want to have fun. I want to meet girls. Like, what is, he, what is going on here? You're telling me I'm going to die? This is how we left the night. And so we're going to go back to our cabins and talk about how we're, we're going to die. What is this? 
But what he did, and what I'm trying to do right now, not giving you all the good answers right away, is this. It needs to soak in that we live in a fallen world. That sin, see, here's a thing that people kind of get confused about sin. Sin is not a thing that you do. It's a condition. Our world is dying. We are dying. Things are fading away. The only things in this life that are eternal are God and everything above the sun. We are not eternal. And so that should shape our life and how we do things. So what are you doing with your time here on earth? I know we talked about time last week and we've talked about all these things in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've read this book so far, like if you read up to chapter nine, you are like ready to throw your Bible against the wall because you're like, everything's meaningless and you're gonna die. Thank you. Thank you for that. But I think what the teacher wants us is to evaluate what am I doing with my time here on earth? Am I taking my kid to their 12th practice and just running around all day? Am I just filling my days with meaningless, mindless things like Netflix, Hulu, spending time on my phone? Am I spending my days worrying about the littlest thing? Am I constantly checking my bank account to see if we're good? Am I worrying about these things? Am I spending my days doing these things that are utterly meaningless? And I think that's why the teacher waited to talk about death towards the end. Because I think what we've been saying is that Solomon wrote this book and this is clearly Solomon writing back on his life and he's probably at the end of his life and he's like, my gosh, what did I waste my time with? My allotted time here on earth. This book should be really called Don't Do What I Did, right? Don't spend your life seeking for pleasure. Don't seek your life seeking achievement. Don't just fill your days toiling after your job. Don't do this because guess what? You only have a little bit here and then it's gone. And then it's gone. So now we're all really confused, right? You're like, okay. So Pastor Matt's talked about this. Connor, you're talking about this. Book of Ecclesiastes talked about this. Like, I'm not supposed to go after pleasures and I'm not supposed to, you know, spend my time just working all the time and doing all these things. And then I'm gonna die. What do you want me to do, bro? Right? It's super confusing. And that's sometimes how we feel when we read this book is you, these are like, everything is hopeless. But then there's these little nuggets where he throws in these words of encouragement and that point us to what life is supposed to be like. If you read this book, you'll see uh, in verse four in chapter nine, check this out with me. Some, some translations have but anyone, but, and some of you might have just anyone. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Did you catch that? Even a live dog is better off than a lion. Now, I have some uh, few choice words with Solomon um, because in this, in this context, dogs are used as the lowlifes of society. 
Jesus has talked about this before, even in some of his stories, that dogs are kind of like, they get the scrap, they get, they're kind of mangy and, and they're kind of, think of a third world dog. But, you know, I, I love dogs. What the heck, bro? And so, of course, I'm like, hey, I, I need to find a picture of a dog. And so th- I got a picture of a hurt dog. Um, I know, super sad, right? Sarah McLaughlin in the arms of, no, right? <laughs> But I should be on worship team, Nick. <laughs> but the dog is used as the low lives of society. They don't have the greatest life in this culture. But a lion, the picture of a lion is used as proud, beautiful, powerful, right? But he says here, it's better to be a mangy dog than a dead lion. Okay, so what? What is that? I'm confused now. You're saying everything's meaningless, but it's better that I can be a mangy dog than a dead lion, right? So what does this tell us? That God values life. The book of the Bible is about a redeeming story of us falling into death and Jesus coming here to bring us life. This is why Jesus went to the cross for you and I so that we may have life. Not just life after death, but life here. That we can have hope. And I think somebody needs to hear this story that, man, and I've been there when you feel like life is just not worth living anymore. You feel like, man, things are just not going your way. You feel like life is just not worth living and everybody would be better off without me. I'm telling you, that's not true. God values your life. We want you to be better. We want you to be healthy. Whatever addictions, whatever issues, whatever is going on in your life. God values your life, not just breath in your lungs, but you to have a beautiful and wonderful life. I'm not saying you're gonna drive a Bentley, bro, but what I am saying is that you can have the fruits of the spirit. You can have joy, patience, all, kindness, all of these things in your life, but we need you living. You have hope. If you have air in your lungs, you have hope. And also, you have hope if you have not given your life to Jesus. You have hope because you can still today give your life to the man that can give you life. God values your life. And since you have breath in your lungs, we're, we rejoice in that. This is why we worship God. This is one of the many reasons. We just sang a song that I love. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in my lungs. He gave you life. This is your allotted life. So see this life as God's gift to you. See this life as God's gift to you, Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 10. This is the good part, okay? In verse seven, go 
eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and anoint your head with oil. That means put on some good clothes and you shampoo and smell good, okay? Uh, enjoy your life with your wife whom you love all the days of your meaningless or temporary life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless temporary days. For this is your lot in life. And in your toilsome labor under the sun, whatever your hands find to do, finds uh, to do, do with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. When we understand this reality of death and we let go of the grips of the things that are not in our control, which death being one of them, when we can understand that God is so powerful, that he's the only one that's conquered death and without him, we can do nothing, that we are not in control, that when we try to control life, all we're doing is, so when you see this word meaningless in the, in the scriptures, when you see it in Ecclesiastes, it's this word hevel, Hevel, it's vapor. You ever try to wrestle vapor? You're gonna, you're gonna look like an idiot, sorry. Try to grab on control. But what the teacher is trying to say is, is let go of control and enjoy the gifts of God. So what can you do to enjoy this life more? How can I enjoy this life a lot more than I am right now? How can I let go of control? Well, Solomon wants you to understand that the, the small things in life, that we give that, the quotes, small things in life, are not just the small things in life. They are what, life, what makes life so beautiful. And so what can you do to make your life uh, uh, meaningful in this life? Well, it says right here, eat some food. That's it, you can go home, eat food. No, I'm kidding. Eat some food, why? Why is eating food a beautiful thing? Well, you see throughout scripture, this idea of sitting down at a table. You see Jesus sitting down with sinners. You see food as, it's not just the food portion of it, but it's what happens when people gather around food. There is something spiritual when we sit down across from one another and we take our phones and we flip it over, turn it off, and we sit down and we laugh and we cry and we share stories and we create memories together. This is why we have community groups, you guys. This is, it's not just something, oh, churches are supposed to do that. No, we do this for a reason so that you can sit down, eat together, laugh, share stories, share hurts, share your history, whatever it is. Enjoy life together. My favorite memory, my favorite man. I, I didn't, I grew up in a single mom household and um, my mom was working all the time, so I, I really didn't get to have the sit-down-at-home meal, like everybody sitting down and, and enjoying one another's company. It was a lot of making myself food and things like that. But my favorite morning, my favorite morning was Christmas morning, not because of the gifts, not because of the presents, because that grandfather I just told you about and my mom and my uncle and my grandma, we would finally sit down to have a meal. We'd have breakfast together on Christmas morning and man, we would go all out, get the nicest bacon, get the nicest cinnamon rolls 
and we would just enjoy one another's company. And I didn't realize that until high school and college, and it, it's, it's still my fondest core memory with my grandfather. There's something beautiful. So sit down and eat a meal. Stop being on the go all the time. The second one is this, and this kind of relates. Slow down. I feel like I can speak for everybody here and I've been at this church long enough to know this and I say this in love. Y'all are moving your feet way too much. So am I. Slow down. There are some moments that we are missing out on in life. When we just try to get things done, we try to check things off the list. We would just wish this season would be done, but there's beauty in all seasons of life. Slow down. High schoolers, get off your phone. Get off your streaming, YouTube, get away from it. Parents, same thing. Get off Netflix for once. Stop filling your schedule with every little thing. I, I've talked to people and uh, here, and I've talked to some of my students and they just are like, I gotta fill my day with everything. No, you don't. I don't know who told you that, but I'm here giving you permission. I, I, I've realized this through practicing silence and solitude with the Lord. And it has been one of the most beautiful, refreshing things in the world. And yeah, it, it gives me anxiety because I'm like, I'm not doing anything right now. But guess what? I'm also not the one doing anything right now. It's him who's doing all of the work. When it says in Psalm 37, delight in the Lord, that doesn't mean while you're running through uh, the drive-thru for the 30th time, grabbing your 10th cup of coffee and taking your kids to, to practice for the millionth time. Sit down and be still and know that he is God. There's something beautiful about slowing down. There's something healthy about slowing down. Um, the, the last one is this. Released, release your results to God. What do I mean by that? We are a very outcome-driven community, country, right? Things gotta get done. But when we are talking about Jesus, when we're talking about God, when we're saying, man, I, I, I'm just giving everything to you, but then we're still faking it because we're still trying to hold on to the steering wheel and we're trying to control the ending of how our kids turn out, trying to control the events of how work turns out, how church turns out, how everything plays out. But when in reality, that is such a fake idea that the teacher wants you to let go of. You are not in control. Release the results to God because he has a better result than you. Release control of it all. And so maybe we need to have a family meeting and have a conversation of, okay, what are we, what are we getting rid of? What are we doing? What are we, how are we spending our time? Maybe we have to have that conversation with our spouse or maybe we just need to sit before God praying with the word before us alone and asking God, what am I doing? How am I wasting my time? How can I have, can I use this as a gift that you have given me? And so ending with this, if you knew the time the date and the moment that you would take your last breath, 
How would you live your life? Would you let the little things bother you? Would you fill your days with meaningless things, knowing what we know now from the book Ecclesiastes? Would you fill your days with meaningless toil and anxiety and searching for pleasure and, and, and work? And no, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe I think you'd spend a little bit more time with your spouse. I think you'd hug your kids a little bit tighter. I think you would enjoy the right here and the right now. Let's pray. God, I thank you for that goad that you have just shoved right in our side. Jesus, I ask that we would not leave here defeated, that we would not leave here depressed and, and thinking that, oh man, life is meaningless. But you have brought meaning to us. You value our life. You value us, God. And let us understand that, Lord Jesus. If there's anybody in here that does not see that, God, I, I pray for through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would change their hearts, that you convict them to see that they are loved, that they are, they are, there's a reason they have breath in their lungs today and that we have hope in the risen body of Jesus Christ, the risen man who saved our life. Lord God, and I pray that we come to grips with this reality and we can just let go of control. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.